you say carnivorous plants, all I ever think about is like the uh, the Venus flytrap from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like that's all I think of. And, uh, you know, just trying to not get got on Halloween like Rick Moranis out there on the streets. Isn't that Little Shop of Horrors? <laughs> what? Well, I mean, also, I don't know. Like, what it sounds like you're saying carnivorous. And isn't it carnivorous? <laughs> yeah, it is. I said it. I, apparently I'm talking about fucking conifer trees. I don't know. What's up? I'm Kenny Big Cat Porter. Hey everyone, I'm Bonnie Porter, and welcome to Nature Dope AF, the show where two siblings and amateur naturalists talk about the incredible world around us. Uh, sorry, we've been, uh, you know, lax on our recording. We, you know, I personally have been having a hard time <laughs> getting my life together at the moment. I think everyone is. I mean, you know, so, but we're back with a new exciting episode. And Kenny, what are we going to be talking about this week? Today, we're talking about carnivorous plants, insectivorous plants, mm. wild names, plants be eating stuff. That is like the most terrifying thing. It's just like a plant eating you. Like you think you're good. And it's just like, Nope. <laughs> yeah, tell it to the stuff that these plants have eaten. All them flies. Although I'm about that. We need more of those. Carnivorous plants. Any plant specially adapted for capturing and digesting insects and other animals. Not just flies. Other animals. But means... Uh, ingenious pitfalls and traps. Plants be eating stuff. More than 600 known species constitute a very diverse group. (laughs) They're different trap types. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (sighs) Trap types. Oh, shit. (laughs) I don't know why it's so <laughs> they got leaves, okay? They got modified leaves. And they draw special attention to these plants. Variety of trapping mechanisms exist and are designated as active or passive based on whether they move to capture their prey. Pitfall traps, such as those found in pitcher plants, which are real beautiful, but just full of death. Are among the most common types of traps and employ a hollow lidded leaf filled with liquid to passively collect and digest prey. It's just a big old pot of death goo. Flypaper traps can be active or passive and rely on sticky mucilage. (laughs) Yep. I'm sorry. I can't, for some reason, I also cannot read because I just went sticky. And I was like, where the fuck is the next, what is the next line? (laughs) Flypaper traps can be active or passive. They rely on sticky mucus 
either directly on the leaf surface, such as the butterwort, or gland-tipped hairs like the sun, sundews to capture prey. Snap traps, such as the those of the Venus flytrap, use rapid leaf movement to actively ensnare insects. Bladder traps are only found in bladderwort plants and actively suck in small organisms using a partial vacuum. So, on top of cauldrons of death, they also turn their bodies into vacuums. <laughs> the hell is going on here? Scary stuff. <laughs> Very appropriate for this time of year. I mean... No. Lobster pot traps are found in corkscrew plants employed downward pointing hairs to force prey deeper into the trap. So it's just, you can't, it's, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it does not sound pleasant, any of this. It's like, oh, God. I just, you know, well, speaking of Rick Moranis and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know, when they're like riding that ant and shit. That's all I keep thinking of. It's just being like the size of an ant and getting trapped in one of these things. Hope I got shrunk with like a tiny lighter in my pocket and burn it down. (laughs) I'm kidding. Don't start. Force fires are real. It's real bad. Don't. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this, I don't think you being shrunken and needing to burn your way out of a plant is really a scenario that's going to happen. So, hey, I'm in a (laughs) dream. That's a sick dream. <laughs> I just really want to get shrunk so I can get, like, now I'm just really thinking about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and that oatmeal cream pie cookie they get in the middle of. Man, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It is terrifying, though, in, in a way. What, being tiny and then getting caught in a corkscrew, uh, corkscrew plant where there's hairs forcing you deeper into the goo of death? Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> this is going to be fun to edit. <laughs> they use enzymes and bacteria to digest their prey through a process of chemical breakdown analogs similar to the digestion in animals. The end products, particularly nitrogen compounds, salts, are absorbed by the plants to enable their survival. Under otherwise marginal or hostile environments. Most of these bad boys are green and manufacture food by photosynthesis from the raw materials of sunlight, water, and carbon dioxide in the presence of chlorophyll. More like borophyll. (laughs) And, you know, they augment their diet with flies and stuff because of poor soil, which is just real neat. Whether aquatic or terrestrial, they have basically similar ecology. Species of two or three are often found growing amongst side by side. Uh, The majority are likely to be found at damp heaths, whatever the hell those are. Bogs, swamps, muddy or sandy shores where water is at least seasonally abundant and where nitrogen's, uh, yep, where nitrogen's material 
are often scarce or unavailable because of acid or, once again, unfavorable soil conditions. So, pretty much, you're like, oh, look at this pretty plant growing some somewhere real neat. And, well, none of those places have sandy shores. I was sure. going to say. But, I mean, as yeah, we've but, talked about moss and bogs. But uh, what what sandy but what sandy shore only has water that's seasonally abundant? Like I mean that's like a swampy area, maybe. I don't know. I guess we need to cover this because we don't know. That's true. But you want you're trying to tell me you're like you're gonna go hang out in a swamp? No. No, I never said it sounded appealing. No. Uh, well, on the whole, the plants are pretty small, but size variation is enormous even within the same genus. Genus. The majority <laughs> of herbaceous perennials are less than a foot high, often like four to six inches. Some species... However, become large shrubby vines. So a vine of plants that's going to eat you. Some vary from like a few centimeters to three feet. So they coming for you. Well, let's talk to a more sane person now. Hello, Bonnie. Uh, Yes. So where might these be? Uh, And what do they eat? They're Can you touch on a little bit? Yeah, they're in damp areas. <laughs> so <clears throat> don't panic because there might be carnivorous plants near you. Hopefully not, you know, like right next to you if you're not aware of that. But <laughs> unlike little shop befores, these real meat-eating plants only eat tiny creatures for the most part. Most of them snack on (laughs) insects or other small organisms, and the largest ones can manage at most a rat. That's still too big. They still they got taste for that. They got a taste for that mammal blood. (laughs) Like I said, they come. Yeah, scary. Um, They're found all over the world on every continent except for Antarctica, and as far north as Alaska and Greenland, and some even live near large urban centers if they can find the right piece of habitat. This means you might be able to see some in the wild near you if you've got a local nature center. Just give them an ask. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) these death traps that lure in insects, frogs, mice, and like we said, rats, with juicy looking flesh and sweet nectar and then melt their bodies with acids. They're deceptively beautiful and totally fascinating to watch. Though some botanists once thought that carnivorous plants caught insects purely by accident, we now know that they evolved a taste for flesh, often out of necessity growing in places in nutrient-poor soil, like Kenny mentioned. They have some unusual eating habits, um, including poop, which I'll get to more of in a minute. So <clears throat> the pitcher plant that we were talking about earlier is kind of jug-like and it has that rainwater or <clears throat> death goo or whatever you were calling it. So what they do specifically 
is they secrete a nectar along the rim to lure in prey. You want to talk about a word that's weird like damp, secrete? <laughs> so they they secrete nectar along their rim to lure in prey, typically insects, occasionally amphibians, but sometimes bigger stuff. There is a species named, I'm going to attempt this, but it's going to be so wrong, Nepenthes Attenborough, named after the famous British naturalist David Attenborough. And that's been known to eat not just little mice, but also larger rats. Their pitchers can be as large as a football. Uh, nope. And this, here you go, just get more creeped out. They're often found to contain giant centipedes and spiders up to four inches long. Sick. <laughs> But another thing these wild-ass plants like is poop. Um, Got a fun fact about it. (laughs) So tree shrews, rats, and other things are attracted to the nectar, like we were talking about. And they sit on the rim and poop into it and provide it with nutrients. So there you go. There's just some some more info on what they're eating. So you're mm-hmm. telling me that's how they got the taste for they were sacrificing some poop into the pitcher plant. Somebody fell in and then the plant was like, turns out, love that fleshy meat. And then that's how it I all guess. Happened. I don't know. It's yeah. That's scary. Why, and also, like, why are they pooping on it? Just because it looks like a toilet? Like, what's a rat care about <laughs> where it poops? The secreted rim of this plant to drop well, apparently it it's like some kind of not stevia, but like a sweet nectar. <laughs> um, but isn't the like doesn't the goo part? Isn't that the part that makes the sweet smell? So why are they taking dumps into what smells good? No, okay, the goo in the plant is not what they're attracted to they're attracted to what's on the rim of that one oh okay so yeah it's this the pitcher which we were talking about it it called the pitcher because that's what it looks like like it's holding a bunch of stuff in the bottom and then on the rim of the top you know uh so you're talking the nectar is yeah you're talking these salt on the rim of their margarita glass yes so So these other animals are sitting there enjoying that and just i guess you know freely pooping i guess they're just pooping down in there and then you know old terry slides down in there and bye-bye back it up put it in reverse terry back up terry oh gosh Now we're going to wrap things up with five carnivorous plant facts. Okay. So this is another wild fact. Non-carnivorous plant shepherd's purse has carnivorous seeds. The chemicals in the seeds, protective mucus, (laughs) attract, kill, and then digest microorganisms. This is like also like a, a tangent because when I was saying we were going to do carnivorous plants, Lou was like, have you heard of that plant that like traps a sheep because it like catches their wool and then supposedly they starve to death and then it's considered carnivorous because they die and then their nutrients go into the ground. 
So I tried to find more about that. And there is a plant that kind of could do possibly, but it's, I haven't found anything confirmed to say that is what's happening, but that's wild too. So if anyone knows for sure, give us a call. That is, nope. <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's like scary movies coming to real life. This plant just caught you. You know what? You dead now. This is like what was that Mark Wahlberg movie? The heck you know? Man. Yeah, where the, the plants were like, hey, guess what? We're sick of this shit. Hey, Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel. We're just out here trying to, you know, <laughs> warn us. I don't know. I don't I'm reading too much. I was going to say we should be afraid of climate change and not plants going to kill us, but you never know. I mean, it's been proven. Anyway. Trees, <laughs> trees can talk to one another, you know. And Yeah, I don't mess with I, trees because they're also, I love yeah, trees. You know, think about it. Like people like fall asleep in the woods and trees just fall and kill them. And it's just like. How do you know those trees just didn't know? And they're like, take them out. Bro. I don't know. It's a thing that happens a lot. Is people f- falling asleep in the woods and trees falling on them. I'm, I, like in like, uh, there's a, like, there's this guy who's like a super famous, like author. I can't think of his name. And super famous is a relative term. But there is a man who is an author and well-known like adventurer. And his son went missing uh, in some, like somewhere in the Amazon or something like that. And like they ha- came to all these conclusions, but he like put up his hammock and the tree fell and fell on him and killed him. Um, and that happens apparently like in the jungles of like South America, like not like super often, but often enough. Hmm. So there you go. I don't know. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Meat-eating plants. (sighs) Meat-eating plants don't just woo animals for food. They need to attract insects that spread their pollen, too. So they're using insects for little double duty. That's why many of them have colorful flowers, to make sure that the pollinators don't actually become dinner. The plant just often hold their blooms high above the leaves and well away from the traps. So the jugs are hanging low while the plants are up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has been uh, quite the episode. (laughs) Uh, So we took a break coming back with a passion. (laughs) Uh, fact number three, uh, <laughs> if you didn't know where the hell we were, cause we don't know either. Um, a whole community of aquatic critters thrives inside the old jugs or pitcher plant pools. For example, frogs, some incredibly tiny, lay their eggs on the pitchers and then their tadpoles grow up swimming in the pitcher plant water. How? The rich bacterial community helps <laughs> the pitcher plant digested food. How does that work? Yeah, I'm seeing other stuff that just says, like, attach their eggs to the side of the pitcher and the tadpoles grow in there. I'm, so, I'm I don't know. Exactly. I'm just saying, what kind of voodoo is happening there? All right. Unclear what's going on exactly and how they can grow in there and not get eaten, but 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, another another wild plant animal relationship is when the common woolly bat is looking to take a nap, snuggles up inside a pitcher plant's pitcher shaped trap. The bat gets a good place to sleep, and its guano gives the pitcher some nutrients it needs. This is a good deal that the plant. <clears throat> this is such a good deal that the plant grows two kinds of pitchers, one for snagging bugs, one for dumps. The first kind, which sprouts <laughs> close to the ground, is perfumed, slippery, and full of digestive fluid. Oh. Which makes it perfect for catching and eating bugs. The other garage grows up higher and it's more like a cozy hotel. Okay. So you tell me the bats are out here just wiling out and all this, but like they sleep above like acid that could eat you. Man. I guess. I mean, yeah. And I and I think also like the way that the the uh, <laughs> the upper hotel area is like uh, shaped, it helps like when bats are using like their sonar to like find them. Also, this plant is smart. Like you're trying to tell me these plants aren't coming for people. It figured out it's like, hey, put one <laughs> down low to get all the bugs, and we'll make that one a little different. And then you know what? Put the penthouse up top, and we'll get some bats and some guano running. We'll get double duty pulling on this. Yeah, it's a real poop soup down there too. They're, so. <laughs> they're real, you know. They're real industrious. I gotta give them that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to hang out with them. Like, do you plant? But no, hopefully they, I'm gone coming, before you evolve a few more times. <laughs> they're trying to eat all of us. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, speaking of that, sort of, <laughs> uh, our last fact, actually, many carnivorous plant species are at risk. Threats include habitat loss, pollution, and poaching. I know what you're thinking. But just like rhinos and elephants, plants are at risk from poachers who sell them to collectors. Venus flytraps, for example, live in just a relatively small region, but poachers dig them up and sell the plants for cash. <laughs> The problem has gotten so out of hand that stealing flytraps is now a felony punishable by over a year in jail. Don't be stealing those plants. Even carnivorous plants got to have a chance, okay? <laughs> if you're catching a felony, don't let it be for digging up Venus flytraps. The black market for plants? Whoa. Oh, well, um... If you've made it this far, <laughs> thank you for listening to this pitchery pitch. <laughs> Come on well, in for a few more pitchers of pitcher talk. Pitcher town. <laughs> pitcher time. Yeah. Um, as always, we will have ways to help these plants and information um, in the show notes. So thank you for listening and we will be back soon with another hot nature episode. Thanks for, thanks for following along with this fun ride.
Hit us up with any questions or topics you'd like to learn about. We have an email, naturedopeaf at gmail, or hit us up on Twitter where, you know, Bonnie occasionally puts some stuff and we check those emails sporadically. So, oh, you know. I haven't for a while, so maybe one of these days. <laughs> Uh, Join us next time for another fun nature chat and stay safe, everybody. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, I did get a box of snacks today. But what kind of snacks? I mean, you know, middle of the road. I mean, like, like some trail mix or something. Oh no! Like as far as snacks go, like pretty, like, uh, like there's I don't know, like Kind Bar, and then also, did you mm. know that Bush's Baked Beans also makes chips out of their beans? What? Yeah, I'm learning new things every day. Um, so Bush's mm. Baked Beans is making chips. Set of beans. There's your holiday fact for me. Um, I mean, I've had some Beanitos chips, so I I could yeah. potentially be into that. <clears throat> I mean, they were they were decent. They did come with some chocolate, uh, like peanut butter cups that were made with stevia. And I'll tell you what, if stevia was a carnivorous plant, it'd be some straight BS. Um, yeah, it really doesn't get the job done. <laughs> stevia is trash. Like, just either just don't eat sugar or just move on. Like, it's just hot garbage. <laughs> it was like stevia uh, sodas. They taste like shit. Re- LaCroix tastes like battery acid. I just, you know. See, I don't get that. That's a controversial opinion. <laughs> Are you a are you a sparkling water fan? I mean, yeah, but I'm not like you know loyal. Like I'll drink a store brand. Oh, but you like sparkling water. I hate all sparkling water. <clears throat> oh, give me just carbonate. Well, yeah, in this case, carbonate battery acid. I'd probably drink it. Anything carbonated, like I'm gonna get into it. There's something about carbonated water that just pisses me off and i don't know what that is it really just it really bugs me but i love like i love kombucha yeah so i mean that's wild to me that you're like oh flavored water but kombucha yum kombucha's i mean hey whatever do you it's fair all right well uh